Uh, rocking and roll. We got Dan Johnny in the building. How you doing today, bro? Doing good, bro. How you doing, man? Uh, doing very good, man. You got a camera that I was uh, I was looking on the internet. I was looking to buy one of those, the R5 there. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, that is Amazing. a beautiful camera. And you told me earlier, who who gifted you this camera here, man? So, uh, Annalie Chopper, he gave me this for Christmas. He gave me the body, not the lens. Man, that is insane. How did he know you wanted that camera? Um, one day he texted me, asked me like, "Man, what's your, like, what's the like, what's the best camera you can get? It's like your dream camera." And I had a Fadi Mark IV at the time, a Canon Fadi Mark IV. And I said uh, something I would call it a Canon R5. He was like, oh, "Okay." And like three, four months later, we um, I met him somewhere somewhere in LA chilling, and he told me to come to the hotel room. He handed me his R5. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, man, I, that, that shit was dope for real. No, yeah, man, Shout out to NLE for that, man. Legendary man. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to want to know how you built those relationships. Uh, your work, first of all, is phenomenal. Appreciate like, that. I looked at all of your photography on social media. Mm-hmm. Fucking phenomenal work, bro. Thank like, you just very crispy much. ass pictures with meaning, depth behind them. When I look into your pictures, I feel the pictures. Like, I'm literally mm-hmm. looking into like a whole vibration of senses, which is incredible. Not many uh, photographers in Detroit that I really look at, and I look at their pictures like, damn. I think the only other person that really stands out to me, like, majorly is, uh, I think his name's Adstar. Ad the great goat. Shout yeah. out Adstar. He's a motherfucking goat. Yeah. Somebody I look up to. Yeah, Adstar is great, man. Uh, let's rewind to you, though, real quick, man. Are you from Michigan? Yeah, I'm from Davidson and Dexter on the oh. west side. Okay, cool, man. Just talk about a little bit about growing up in Detroit for yourself. Uh, growing up in Detroit, my uh, grandparents raised me. You know, dad wasn't there. Mom was on drugs, so it was uh, stressful, but... Going with your, with your grandparents was the best thing in the world. Then I moved to Seven Mile and Ryan uh, when I was like 17. And at 18, that's when I uh, first picked up a camera while I was over there living with my mom's. Okay, cool. So what uh, gravitated you towards film and photography? Um, Honestly, originally, I, just, I, was, I was at the pawn shop on Greenfield. What's American Jury Alone? Mm. And end up seeing a camera for real. And um, I had... Asked my sister, could she just get it for me for real? And I, I don't know what, what made me want to get it. Oh, the iPhone 7. It had portrait mode. So I used to take really good pictures on that. So I always told myself I wanted a camera one day. So I saw it. It was like for 150 bucks, a uh, Canon T5. I had my sister go buy it for me, and she bought it for me for 150 bucks. Then it started from there. Yeah. Doing prom shoots. Prom's always the way it starts, right? Um, yeah. I went to U Prep, so I made it. I made a little killing at U Prep. Okay. First, yeah. How much were you charging at that time? Uh, $60 for a shoot. $60 for a prompt shoot. How yep. many were you doing a week? A week. At that time, I had like four a week. So I made like what? Like 240 bucks. Like my first two, three weeks. I made 300 bucks my first two weeks with my camera. So it was like the most money I didn't made on my own for real. Like outside of a job. So you went straight into business with your camera the minute you got it? Yeah, immediately. Immediately. Not knowing where to come from it, but I just carry around with me everywhere. And people think I was a photographer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a photographer then. They was asked how much you charge for a shoot, not 60, 70 bucks. For people who don't know, obviously everybody knows, but there's auto and manual, right? If you have yeah. auto settings, your camera kind of configures what the best shot is for that moment. If you do manual, you actually have to set the settings yourself to get the best picture. Um, were you shooting auto or manual when you first started? Man, auto like hell. Auto <laughs> like a motherfucker. Everything was auto. Yeah. I had the little SD card reader going to your iPhone, so immediately after the shoot, I'll take my SD card and give you every picture I took. From that shoot, no matter if it was, I didn't look at them, none of that shot just gave you everything, and they just liked it because it was, I was fast with it, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. people's uh, 
people always complain, right? Mm-hmm. Like the client's always going to complain at, at, about the pictures or anything that. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you get that in the beginning, or did people just go like, "Fuck it, it was sixty dollars"? Yeah, people, fuck it, it was sixty dollars, and yeah. you know what I mean. And and so the average eye it was a good looking picture. It was better than iPhone, you know what I mean. And sixty dollars ain't much to like take back. So I was like, yeah, it's fine. And I was. I worked really, really hard on, it, on the composition and all the studies early, so it was really worth more than sixty once I really got good at it mm. and everything. But yeah, so how long did it take you to develop your craft to a point where you were making a little bit more money? Um, probably like uh, a year. Probably after I got that T five, I begged my grandma to give me help me get the sixty Mark II because mm-hmm. I feel like I grew out of the T five. Then once I started getting that, and people started seeing the camera, you know that camera with the a full frame, I got more love a little bit for so, so it got better. Uh, from going to pr- from proms, to, what was your next escalation in business? Like, what was your next demographic of making money? Um, I I don't know. I ended up going to college after that, and um, I just know I wanted to be a photographer taking pictures. I didn't know exactly what route. I was doing weddings, and I was doing mm. prom shoots. I was doing dog shoots. I was doing baby shoots. It's everything. I just know I didn't want to do no lingerie naked women. Type stuff. So what's wrong with this guy? This is the number one thing. The boudoir photos is the number one thing I would have been trying to do. Man. I mean, yeah, it was it was cool and all, but my homeboy Jet said had that on lock. Like, <laughs> he had that whole game on lock. So I'm like, and it was just boring. I, I didn't want to do no be no studio photographer. So I ended up getting my niche, I guess, in hip hop photography or industry photography. Um, yeah, I was shooting. So my first camera was a big ass camcorder that came mm-hmm. up to here when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Right, transition to JVC camcorder that was this big. It was on tape. I thought what I was getting was a digital camera one at one point when I got a Canon, but it was mm. an analog camera still. Shit. So you still had to plug those bitches into a whole adapter to get it into the computer to edit it. Damn. And then uh, Canon power shots. I was doing all the bullshit. Cam- I mm. still have a whole box filled with all of my old ass cameras. Mm. I probably have like 15, 20 old ass cameras. Damn. And then uh, I graduated to the T one T two I. Yeah, Damn, the T- T2i? That was my first camera that was a DSLR was the T2i. Mm-hmm. And then they had a whole website. It was a vlog website um, where it was a bunch of T2i owners. And mm-hmm. we would just talk about the camera like it was the greatest thing ever. Because mm-hmm. this was when DSLRs were coming out and you could actually feel like a professional even yeah. though you still weren't. Yeah. That's not even a pro-consumer camera for real. At that time, At it felt time, like... At the time, I feel honest now. It felt like it was, but it wasn't for real. But it felt like it was. It was just like, anyway... On that bullshit, and I was shooting with that bullshit for a long time. I was I was making no fucking money, dude. Really? I was shooting music videos. I shot a music video for Nolan Presley, who happens to be Two Chains' as a producer at this moment. Mm-hmm. But we were just shooting music videos with this T2I mm-hmm. and posting it. At the time, everybody thought this was like crazy quality yeah. because it was like the only thing you could get for real that wasn't a thousand dollars plus. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, talk a little bit about your graduation of the camera. What camera did you go to from? You said uh, what was your first T5? Yeah, T5. Then from that, I ended up getting a 60 Mark II on credit at Best Buy. Then after that, just pure off credit. Yeah. How much was that? That's like over two grand, wasn't it? Yeah, over two grand. So I was paying what, a hundred fifty, two hundred dollars a month, like for a while to pay that camera off. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Then after that, uh, that camera got stolen in Atlanta. Then I'm getting a five D Mark IV, uh, um, from Facebook Marketplace, and actually, <laughs> this brother right here, him and my homeboy uh, named Eli, they actually lent me the money for it. When my camera got stolen, they I, they took everything. My camera, my laptop, my drone, and everything. What was the situation? How did it get stolen? Uh, I was leaving a Rick Ross and Two Chain shoot, and I got back to the office, and we had a, a bedroom in there, and it was like a, a long stairway up to the office, and I looked at my camera bag in the back seat. I just I'm gonna leave it there for the night, and I'm, 
you know, get it in the morning. So I went upstairs and somebody broke in my car and uh, took my camera back. So that's like horrible in Atlanta. They breaking the cars like a motherfucker out there for so. And I ain't know no better. And I walked outside sick as hell. I just saw all my shit over the floor and see my camera bag. I just I feel like I had no purpose in life. I'm like shit. You know what I mean? But this is around like the pandemic and shit. So I had to come back to my homeboys. I'm like, hey man, I heard y'all up in the city. I need some help get my camera back, man. I heard y'all so, up in the city. So shout out my homeboy Tay and shout out 10K Easy. People don't understand. The, the value of your camera when you're an independent cameraman and you're not making much money. Oh, yeah. When I was shooting uh, music videos like seven years ago, I didn't have too much money to my name and I had a really expensive camera. Yeah. And I remember my partner at the time was like to me, bro, you realize if anything that goes wrong with that camera, if it gets stolen or damaged, the mm -hmm. business goes under. Yeah. I'm like, bro, damn. Like if my camera, I, he was right. If my camera breaks or something or somebody steals it, yeah. my business is done with. I can't afford to get another one. Yeah, and, and by the time you have to wait to afford to get another one, your clientele is going to be gone by then. Yeah. Let's not skip around though. Cause you just said you were uh, with uh, Rick Ross and two chains, obviously mm -hmm. let's get back to college. Um, mm -hmm. Let's get back to the, t the T5i and upgrading mm -hmm. it at that point. What was the progression like? You're shooting proms, you're shooting weddings, you're doing mm -hmm. all that. No offense. No, that's cool. Kind of bullshit. Like, <laughs> yeah, the shit, sure. we, all, we all have to do that shit. Everybody, yeah, it's how it starts, man. It yeah. starts. You you start with the family first, right? Yeah. Talk about the progression of that. What was your first moment where you actually felt like, damn, I feel like this matters to me? What was the first project that you felt like actually mattered to you? First project... Um, was I got able to assist my homeboy Justin Milhouse. He's a big photographer, my mentor. He did a cover photo for Andre Drummond for Our Magazine, and he helped me, he helped me assist him for that. And my name was actually be able to put in the magazine as a photo assistant. Cool. And that was like that was like the best, biggest thing in the world to me because I never thought I'd be able to go that route. Then um, everybody in this room, like I was in college and stuff, my homeboy uh, James, I took a good picture of him in college and practicing with my homeboy brother Juan and... Sam and everybody, it's like my friends for real, and it, it was it was just so fun. It was just so fun to me. What do you think made him select you to come help him with working with an NBA player? Um, because I really wanted to learn. I was really hungry to learn. I would like call him up every day and ask him about certain stuff I didn't know. Stuff I could just Google, but I wanted to ask him, and I was just really really hungry. And he's somebody I looked up to and wanted to be because he had like nine thousand, ten thousand followers on Instagram. That's a photographer, and that's you know that's crazy. He's getting booked for. Dubai and stuff. But he was a lot older than me too, so I'm like, man, I want to make it to that level. So I want to be around as much as I can. Yeah, and he knew that you were. What did you do on the set? Like, how did you help him? Uh, I was holding a reflector, mm -hmm. uh, holding reflectors, and um, put to show them together, put together lights and everything. You know, mm -hmm. going to get water for people and everything. If anybody needed, just you know, being an assistant and breaking down the backdrops and just anything you need, I was right there. Cool, man. Yeah. So everybody kind of has that uh, breaking moment. How did that help you with your future of photography? Um, it showed me that people can actually make a living out of this. And it's only photographer I grew up seeing was a school photographer, and I didn't want to do that. So when I'm saying he can, like, take these cover photos of, you know, of, of Andre Drummond and to see, like, an artist, I'm like, man, that shit dope, bro. So this is this is pretty much what I wanted to do. But my first big breakthrough, um, I went to the Navy. I, I became a chef on a submarine uh, after I left college. And I still had my camera with me and stuff, and I went to the Navy to be able to afford more camera stuff. And um, long story short, uh, I got an opportunity to um, link up with 42 Doug. Shout out Flex Live. Shout out my boy Flex Live. And being with him really made me say, fuck everything else. I got to do this shit for real. With Flex or it, with Doug? With, with both of them. Okay, Flex yeah. is Doug DJ. Yeah, yeah, right on. Now yeah. I know Flex. 
But the moment where you're working with Flex, mm -hmm. uh, how did he introduce you to Doug? So I had surgery. So I had surgery. I had a hernia, and I had to go to uh, the hospital. And the same day I had to go to the hospital for my surgery, uh, Doug had a show. And this is in Jacksonville, Florida, where I was stationed at. And I told Flex I want to come to the show weeks prior. Then I ended up telling him I can't come because I got surgery. So I ended up having surgery. Then I ended up sleepwalking during the surgery. So they had to put me on some type of high-ass medicine, right? So I woke up high as fuck, and somebody gave me my phone. And the only thing I could think about, because I'm high, is this damn 42 Doug concert. So I started making funny videos, talking about I came to the 4-2 Doug concert, and before I go broke like Jock and singing his lyrics, but I'm in a hospital bed. So I posted it, Flexi, he laughing, he posted it, and Doug saw it, and Doug saw it, he reposted it and used his promo for the show. Mm. Then Flex like, hey, man, you got to come through. They, they said, you got to come through. Nah, he said, like, you should bring your camera, too. I'm like, that's a good idea. So I ended up pulling up to the show and sorting the motherfucker. I just had, just had some shit taken out, you know what I mean? And pulled up to the show, took pictures of Doug. Then he said, Flex said, come back to the hotel. We waited in the lobby. I came back to the hotel. And my favorite rap right there, 42 Doug, with him and who, people he with and everything. I'm taking pictures, taking pictures. And... um. I sent it to his manager, took a picture of the manager, security, took pictures of everybody in his crew. And Doug loved the pictures. And they asked me to come back the next day. And I came back the next day. We um, did a video shoot. Then they ended up said, they said, can you roll with us? I'm like, fuck, hell yeah, I can roll with y'all. Where are we going? You know what I mean? But the best part about it, when the military, when you get hurt, you get two weeks off. So I got two weeks of the Navy not bothering me. Then we ended up driving to Tampa. And we did a show out there. I took pictures of him out there. Then they brought me back to Jacksonville. And I thought that was it. That was like the highlight of my life. I thought that was it. Then two days later, they asked, can I get a flight to L.A.? And I got a flight, that, a spirit flight to L.A. Wow, man. Yeah, and that changed my whole life. One day I was in the hospital. And three days later, I'm, you know what I mean, in a super huge mansion with CMG. Man, wow. Wow, man. Yeah, like kind of before we even got on here, we kind of talked about how when you put enough effort, those lucky mm -hmm. moments kind of come through out of nowhere and you execute. Yeah, hell yeah. You show up and then you could build a future off of those moments. Absolutely. Showing up is the most important part, but the process of getting ready before then when nobody's looking is the most important part because if I was just looking for opportunities but not preparing for it, then so be it. You know, it's really not going to come. But the whole thing I was preparing not knowing that this opportunity is going to happen, but I just wanted to become a better photographer and not knowing for what my theme would be, but it was to be, I guess, for musicians. Yeah. That's why I always tell people, just show up. That's like my slogan when it comes to getting people to be mm. effective. Just show up. You just show the fuck up. And a lot of you trade people have problems just showing up. You know <laughs> what I mean? Show up. You got to just show up. Sometimes you got to wait outside in the cold. Sometimes be like, you know what I mean? You got to just show up and let your ego go. Exactly, man. Yeah, not even just the ego, but just like discipline. Just yeah, say, discipline, like, yeah. This is what I want to be a part of. Therefore, I have to be a part of every single aspect of it. Every single aspect of it, for sure. Now, talk about the next uh, levels of what's what happens after that, pretty much. You know, 42 Doug and you start working together. Yeah. What proceeds after that? Uh, start working with him. Then uh, start working 42 Doug. Then Instagram platform getting built up and travel with him for a few weeks. Then I have to go back to the military. Then every weekend, I'll call off sick on Friday so I can go catch a plane to wherever he is. So I'll be on base and I have to sneak off to go link up with him. Then um, I met uh, this production family called Motion Family, the production team called Motion Family. And they who changed my life a lot too because they do big music videos in Atlanta and I would do all the BTS where I would meet a lot of the artists which are where I met NLE and Ross and Jeezy and and everybody for real. So they end up meeting uh, NLE Chopper on set of Narrow Road with Lil Baby and me and him, we got really good friends on set. 
and we got his number and everything. Took good pictures of him and everything. Then a few weeks later, while I was in Miami, he asked me to come out to L.A. When you're on that set, what were you doing on that set? Uh, I was just doing BTS photos and helping out with like little extras and stuff. Um, it was like six, seven other photographers there. When you're there, um, you know, for people who don't know that are aspiring photographers, mm -hmm. the comp, uh, the composure you have to have, obviously, yes. because sometimes photographers, which is nothing wrong with it, sometimes you're a fan of the person you're working mm -hmm. with, so it kind of affects your actions a little bit and how yeah. you move. Talk about how you kept your composure if you were a fan at that time of the people you're working with. Um, I didn't know who he was at first, but I just, I just know. Oh, Anna Lee Chapel? No, I didn't. I really didn't know who he was. I just okay. know of the song, but I didn't know too much about him. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and um. We do a lot of other sets, a lot of others. We did one with the baby a week before prior. So it was, like, exciting. But you got to keep your composure. You got to treat them like humans. And you got to know good timing. You know what I mean? If they're in the middle of getting a haircut and have a conversation with their manager, you don't want to go in there and be like, hey, my name is Johnny. This is my work. I would love to be a photographer. You know, it, it really don't work like that. It don't either work, not through the DMs, neither. It's, it, it has to come natural. It's the main thing. It has to come natural and organically. And I say just be normal because every other – you got to be different. Just think different. So everybody looking at this way, getting the same angle, you know what I mean? You get a different angle. Sometimes you can be the brave one to walk up to them and ask them, like, hey, man, you know, can I get a few pictures? And that's the main thing, making it personal, making them, getting cool with them, you know what I mean? I walked up and introduced myself in between takes. I'm Johnny. I'll be a uh, BTS type today. Him and baby. I'm like, whatever, cool. You know, can I uh, get a picture right here, whatever, and it was cool. Other photographers on set, their issue was they would just walk up and take pictures and not say nothing and walk away. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to sneak it. You know what I mean? But once you break that barrier of you just being a photographer, but, hey, man, my name is Johnny. I want to, you know, flick y'all up. Then for the rest of the day, he never really had a photographer. He would be calling my name the whole damn video shoot. Damn, where Johnny at? Johnny, come take my pictures. So I'm like, shit, dope. Yeah, man. You're yeah. right about breaking that barrier. Because when you're kind of making it like a zoo type thing where it's like yeah. you're flashing and disappearing versus you coming up, shaking their hand, introducing yeah. yourself, you know, you're working on your craft. I respect your craft and I want to, you know, document that. Yeah. And obviously, rappers love to have pictures taken of them. Yeah, Might as yeah. well be with somebody that they connect with, yeah. you know, versus a random passerby. So you understood relationships, not only the technical ability and the creative ability of the camera. Immediately. Which is part of the equation of becoming successful in any type of part of the entertainment industry, right? right? Having all of those abilities to network mm -hmm. and provide quality content. Yes. Now, how do you proceed after that? So you're working with Lil Baby, you're working with L and Ellie. What's like the next big moves for you? Um, the next big move for me, I was with, uh, really just being with Annalie and, and I ended up signing to him. How does that work? Um, so funny story. Uh, well, I was, so after that, he called me to come to LA and then I was just with him for a long period of time, but I was still in the military, but I was going AWOL. So AWOL, I mean, we just leave without no announcement. So I was with him for like two months. Then I we was in LA and I finally got a call. Then I had to go back to the military. I got arrested. I did three months in jail, in the military jail. Then I got out. The day before I went in jail, he, he sent me a contract. He said, hey, man. I told him I'm getting locked up. He said, okay. I'm thinking about to go find another photographer. Motherfucker sent me a contract uh, to say, I want you to sign an elite. And when you get out, you're going to be right back with me. So that's what kept my composure. So I ended up signing a contract. What's the contract entail? Sh shit. I don't know. I didn't read it. Yeah. I didn't read it. I'm, I'm fine. signed as a photographer. Like, it was the worst it could be. You know what I mean? Like, it's everybody in the hood dream to sign to a label. You feel me? So, but really, I'm just signed as his talent. You know what I mean? So it was his signed as talent. And all I know is, is I had to be everywhere he go. And I wish I'd have read the contract. It was, you know, because it would have helped out with uh, business within the future. 
But at the time, I you know, I don't know no better. I never been in the industry like that. I just know he asked me to sign NLE. I just signed. Yeah. Was there money involved in the contract, or was it kind of just like a deal? Of it was kind of a deal. Uh, I brought up money, but what I I learned with contracts or deals, whatever you ask for, you got to pay back. Okay. So if I asked for thirty thousand, I didn't feel as confident to I can pay him thirty thousand dollars back. And I knew I was gonna fuck up that thirty thousand trying to pay him back. So I'm like, not right now. If I just we can talk about that the next go around. How many photographers did he have? None. So you were his only photographer under contract? Yes. He's okay. only his only photographer in general. He had a videographer named shout out to Bill. He had a videographer named Bill with mm. him and it was me. Wow, that's the coolest shit ever. So yeah. you were the only uh, photographer signed to NL Chapa. Yes. Um, I'm sure people are curious to understand what it is, though. So you signed something that basically, were you allowed to shoot for other artists? Yeah, yeah. So what does it entail exactly? Like, what is the difference between having the contract and the contract not existing? There's really no difference, really. It was really no difference. Maybe it was like a, like a thing where, like, we're locked in type thing. Yeah, maybe I think it was so? like a thing more like we locked in, like, we, you know, we together type stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. um. That, that's what it was. I, I I never really got, I never really wanted a chain or like any jury to come with it or like to put NLE in my bio to rep it. You know what I mean? It's me personally. I know me and him, we had that relationship at the time. You know what I mean? Like, shit, it's a, it's a big opportunity. You know, what was military jail like, man? It's lonely, stressful. Was it like jail jail or was nah, it just like. No, it's not not like jail jail. You can't like hop off the boat or something? Yeah, or? yeah pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> you just stuck on a submarine for a long period of time and just doing your duties and you can't go nowhere, take your phone and all types of shit. What was the general duties of when you're on the ship? You were a chef, obviously. What else did you Chef do? and uh, temperature watch. So during COVID, I'll be doing temperature watch from uh, 0400 to about 1600. So that's four in the morning to about uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. I was looking on Instagram um, and I seen. What military people eat, man. The, the chefs are legendary. It looks yeah. like, man. Like you guys know what the fuck, you, Nick. You were, you're, you're a veteran too, Dude, man. In the Air Force got some good jobs. Yeah, you yeah. were in, the, yeah, you were in the Air Force. So talk, what, yeah, even for you, bro. Like the, the meals were legendary. Yeah, yeah. Full fucking good, man. Especially like, when you deployed. Yeah, hell, cause that's all you got to look forward to. Like when you're on a submarine, you, you, know, you underwater for four or five months. You know what I mean? There's no basketball. There's no phones under there. So only thing I look for at your day is a, this breakfast better be good, lunch better be good, and dinner better be good. You know what I mean? Now, this is interesting because, all right, so you guys are both veterans, right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> Nick, what was? did you have a favorite chef or did the chefs not work like that? What was it? Uh, it's, it's, for us, you normally go through and they're like, hey, man, if I want if I wanted some eggs or something, like the same dude in the morning be they making eggs every morning. Be like, hey, what up, man? Give me that omelet and shit. Yeah. When you deploy, it's always like some Qatari fucking guy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you want the eggs? <laughs> Man, watching them guys whip up eggs is crazy. Did you, you, you ever deploy? Nah, I, I, so on, we have deployed, but on some rings we don't get to go and stop nowhere. Yeah, you guys are off doing. Yeah, we just so, you're somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, yeah, at Country X, yeah. And like uh, he said, he talked about going AWOL. Did you guys ever experience anything like that? Yeah, they think that shit's serious as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll they will hunt your ass across the country too. They yeah. will literally do that shit for something good. How did they get you? They just went back and then they they're like, you got to stay here now. No, it's crazy. So how I started was. I was when I got hurt, uh, I was in a hurt division. But they say, "Oh, you're a chef. You should go to the galley, which is where you eat at." And they said, "Go over to the galley." So I went over to the galley, and I told them I'm here to report for duty. And they, didn't, they never knew I was coming. They said, "We don't need you. Go back to the fucking your original command." So one command thought I was here, another command thought I was there. Then next day, I woke up late, and nobody called me. And that's rare as fuck. Like you wake up late, then you got somebody banging on your fucking door, and it didn't fucking happen. Nobody called me. It was no nothing. Then I, I'm, I'm stay home. Next day, I oversleep again. I'm like, fuck, nobody bothered me. I'm like, shit, I did it for like three or four days straight, and just nobody was bothering me. 
Then I got a call from from uh who I got a call from. I got a call from Chopper to come out the uh, somewhere, and I just went out there, and we was out there for a long fucking time, and I was just like. I was gone for like two months. So right, I got caught right around this time. So before Christmas break, they do like a muster for everybody. So they asked the command, oh, how's Carpenter doing? Like, who the fuck is Carpenter? And like, we just sent them over there three months ago. No, you didn't. So it's a whole bunch of frantic shit on base. Like, where, where the fuck is Carpenter? Then they look on Instagram and I'm at, two, <laughs> and literally the same day they call me, I'm at Tupac's house. Uh, for this pitch McGregor video shoot sitting in the Lamborghini they called me and I just see the area code you never forget the area code of the base you're at I'm like damn that look familiar I answer they're like bro they're like excuse me see me, see me copper I'm like oh shit like, where are you at I'm like I couldn't think of a lie I'm in LA they said LA fitness I'm like nah nah this, I'm, I'm in LA what are you doing out in LA I'm I'm, I'm taking pictures at Tupac Shakur's house yeah I'm like, like, <laughs> what, like what do you mean you're taking pictures I'm like I'm a um, I'm a photographer then Somebody from the base that I knew, uh, the word got around, and my Instagram was still active, so they, the, the base got hold of my Instagram and looked into the stuff I was accomplishing while I was still in the military and stuff like that, like sneaking off and stuff, and I and I told them I'd be back in like three days, like, all right, so I came back, and I was like a fucking celebrity on base. That's like the biggest I've ever been, you know yeah. what I mean? And people just high-five me everywhere I go, and that's Carpenter and stuff like that, so it was dope. But you were also in trouble at the same time? I was in a lot of fucking trouble, yeah. So you were like a celebrity, I was and a you were basically trouble. a rapper on the military, Yeah, right? damn near for real. <laughs> Hell yeah. You're like, <laughs> you were both yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah. Damn. But people looked out for me a lot, man. Only people that was mad are people that, that I got in trouble, which is the captain, the ex, so people that, that supposed to be mad, but in reality, <laughs> it was other chief shit, like, man, I was fucking dope, man. Like, yeah. I like, everybody I wish they could do that shit and up and leave and follow their dream and be successful at it. You know mm. what I mean? I was 20, at 20, 19, 20. Wow. Yeah, so. Were you I'm able sure. to retire from that? Were yes, you I, I, honestly, I finessed my way and I ended up getting an honorable discharge. So I still get all my benefits. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So this experience of being at Tupac's house. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we, did we skip anything as far as you're working with the NLE at the same time the contract happens to this Tupac, being at Tupac's house? Like uh, that, that just for a, a video shoot. But there's still, there's Tupac Shakur, man. Like, yeah. what the, like, I mean, I don't give a damn if it was his freaking sandbox. Like, what, how was that? What was that all about? Uh, it was dope. We re we recreated the picture, uh, uh, I Get Around video shoot. Was, that was dope. Um, we've been a lot of crazy people fucking house. Probably crazy is probably uh Chris Brown house. Yeah, that was probably by far the craziest. That's somebody I I fucking look up to. You know what I mean? Growing up and shit. So being at his house and hooping with him and going getting a tour around his house and that that shit was crazy too. What was the? How'd you get there? Uh, please go over there and play basketball with him. Like rappers hang out with other rappers. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. So I always be his personal photographer. His day to day life. We'll go over to Polo G house and go play basketball and play the game. And I can play polo in two K. Mm. We went uh, this guy named Travis Barker. We went of over course. to his his house and his studio and everything. And we with them all night. And it's just, about the drummer. Yeah, 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 man. That motherfucker's a legend, bro. Yeah, I had no clue who he was. <laughs> yeah, that's a motherfucking legend, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no clue who he was, but he gave me a pair of uh, his drumsticks and signed them and shit. And we played ping pong and yeah. and the best thing about artists. Like like that, I didn't know who the fuck he was, so I was like, I didn't, you know what I mean. And normally, I, I treat everybody normal. I treat him really normal, you know what I mean. I didn't know yeah, who he yeah. was. He could be anybody. So I'm just thinking we just here at the studio. I don't want to skip, man. I feel like we're skipping shit. Let's get to the. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you leave the you leave the ship. Yeah. Um. You know, talk about the moments after that. You're, you leave the ship. What projects are you working on immediately? After immediately, that? um, I link right back in LA. We're in Miami. Uh, we're just on tours, doing shows and stuff, and I'm just building my portfolio with him and. Becoming a better artist. Uh, I shot his major album cover, uh, Me Versus Me. And uh, I shot that cover, and that was, like, just amazing because 
you know, that can be all over Times Square and everything too. Um, I, I did work with a lot more big, bigger brands. Um, everybody I met being with him, I built a relationship with from Cash Money AP to every producer to everybody, you know what I mean? From uh, Ben Mark, Cole Bennett, like, that type shit was like just every day, just, mm-hmm. just crazy shit. Cause I was with him so much, like three weeks out of the month, I was with him. Then I'm moving to Atlanta, like um, in, uh, right after I got military too. So I can be more accessible within the industry and everything too. Okay, cool. So talk about the progression of working with an LA chopper after you get out of uh, the military. Uh, it, it was great. You know what I mean? We, uh, we built good relationships. Uh, he helped me out with a lot. He's the only artist that would actually tag me on Instagram for certain photos. And we built an actual brotherhood friendship thing. And um, introduced me to a lot of people. You know, his family is great people and everything. So uh, it, everything was great. Then kind of towards the end, uh, when I, I feel like I was continuing to grow and everything, but you know, you kind of had business disagreements, things with the contract, and we was on tour, then like a lot of personal stuff, you know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's it's time to split ways. So we split ways after that. Right on. And when you split ways, um, did things get better for you, or did they stay stagnant? How did they go after that? Uh, things, um, it was stagnant for a second, but I'm the one that decided to leave. Mm-hmm. So I left. And the thing was, the biggest thing for me is I didn't want to be known. I wanted to be known for something for myself, not just be known as an elite type of photographer. Right. That's all I was to everybody and anybody. That's all my credibility was, an elite type of photographer. And that's cool, you know what I mean, at first, but after a while, you might just be known more than just side of baby videographer. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why I decided to move on and, you know, go outside and do more stuff. Because I was with him so much, I really couldn't do a lot of other stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff only with him, and I have to move aside. A lot of other opportunities, a lot of stuff that paid more. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff that different places. But I was so you know everywhere he go, I go. So that's how it was. You could get granted more opportunities by yourself to some degree instead of always being stuck in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great situation to be in for sure. For sure. I remember when um damn man I got fucking mustard stains on my pants. (laughs) I remember when I was shooting for Sada Baby um because we started working together in 2017. So at first, I mean, just like you, when you meet somebody, you don't know who they are. Yeah. And so when I met him, I had no clue who he was at all. And uh, that's kind of what made our relationship end up working because we met each other in a genuine person-to-person basis. It wasn't off the internet. So when I had worked with him in the beginning, everybody was making the biggest fucking deal about it. I mean, I always tell yeah. this story, but it's true. Like, when I first got to the video shoot that he was coming to be a feature on, mm-hmm. people were literally popping out the floorboards. Like, Sada Baby, Sada Baby, Sada. Everybody's just saying his name. I'm like... Who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah. what are you guys going crazy about? So when I met him, I did feel the energy. So I did feel like, damn, this motherfucker has some type of energy about him for sure. Yeah. But we're working together just on like we fuck with each other type basis thing. But then I do remember everywhere I would go, people like side of baby's videographer, your side of baby's yeah, videographer. Man. I started getting mad after like two years where I was like, Bro, I ain't nobody's fucking videographer. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? Like, like, I'm more than just that, yeah. man. You know what I mean? So my favorite day ever was I was at Oakland Mall. Still, it was it was bittersweet, but this dude was looking at me. He was like, he's like pointing at me like that. And he's like, he's gonna say Sada, baby. He's, he's that's what he's gonna say. He's like, video dude, uh, kid, uh, kid video. And I was yeah. like, I'll take that. I'll yeah, take the, that's I'll a start. Take that's a damn good start <laughs> yeah. for sure. I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, I was like, better oh, than Sada, baby's video director. I'll take the kid video. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you get to the point where you decided to leave? Yeah, it was significant moments. It was um, it just thinking like. If I still continue to do this the next few years, where would I be at? You know what I mean? And it started to go downhill. I'd probably say um, 
it was probably like you know pay wasn't the best after a while you know i was getting paid well then after a while for some reason you know get paid a little less then um sometimes it's not just with any, just any artist dealing with egos you being around that person so much like so so much like a lot of their personal problems that they might reflect on you you know what i mean a lot of my personal problems that i might reflect on to him um then we're, and we went on tour and went on tour <laughs> And uh, this is his first tour and everything, and uh, it was just some business issues we had, and, and a lot of emotions built up on tour when this is a bunch of guys on one little, you know, not even a tour bus, but a sprinter. It's a lot of frustration and stuff, and um, I'm just saying, looking farther ahead, I feel like me and him hit the ceiling. I came out with a book for him and everything, shot his album cover, you know what I mean? I got 50,000 followers on Instagram, and I feel like we've done great things. And after a time, I just didn't feel it as appreciated, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm just going to move on from this. And also, I, I didn't never want to be connected to one person because, like, your reputation kind of lives on top of theirs when you guys are way too connected. So anything that happened to him, people will call me about because mm -hmm. that's my friend, that's my brother, but at the same time, but if I'm so... You know, if you're not hot right now at the moment, you know what I mean, then I don't want that to have to, you know, affect our business, you know what I mean, at all. And that was, like, just the main issue. I just wanted to be known as damn Johnny, not as his photographer. And it worked. Like, I like it's crazy. I've took pictures with other photographers that recognize me and, like, and look up to my work. People DM me all the time and say mm -hmm. they look, love my work and everything. And it's the best feeling in the world. It's the best feeling in the world, man. Now, when you leave... You know, you said stuff stays stagnant for a little while. One thing I want to ask is this. Like, I know when you're working with, let's say you're working with NLA Chopper, mm -hmm. you're going to touring, you're going everywhere, you're meeting famous people like Chris Brown and everything like that. Yeah. You can't just go up to them and say, hey, can I take pictures of you so right. easily, right? Because you have to respect the artist that you're with. Right. Was it like that? Or was NLA like, no, go do whatever the fuck you want to do. Go work with whoever the fuck you want to work yeah, with. Yeah, go work with whoever you want, want to work with. And if I'm around him and everything mm -hmm. and we in the studio with Polo, I'm like, hey, what's up, Polo? Whatever. Let me I'll flick you up real quick, get you together or get pictures them together. You know what I mean? But the thing is, it's not always about having them pose, but it's about catching moments they're not going to know they're gonna look back on man like they might have been laughing at that time you know what i mean but there's any room i walk in i make sure it's okay could i get pictures of y'all and when i once you go from there it's cool so nle was cool with you taking pictures and, and networking he's pretty cool with you like opening up horizons and working with people yeah absolutely because before i met him i was still working with other artists i work with vine i work with uh the baby thug and all them and everything so do they connect so now so now you build the network and i like how you said you reached the ceiling with each other right like so mm -hmm. you couldn't really benefit anymore off of him and he couldn't really i mean for him it's like i want you here but you're not, it's not yeah. working out anymore whatever you left obviously yes. but for you you knew you hit the ceiling um which is again like a, a very um i guess what's the word for it that's a very courageous decision. A lot of people don't have yeah. the guts to leave somebody that's at that stature in the game. So you had the guts to do it. You leave. Things are stagnant for a while. When did things pick up again? Uh, when I started going outside. So I was with them so much. I'm used to just getting phone calls and flights. Hey, you coming here this week? You coming here this week? You know, we're we going here. Then once you go, I go back to Atlanta, I'm on my own. I'm just used to phone calls coming, and I don't like going outside. I don't like going to party. I don't like going to clubs. But you live in Atlanta. You want to connect. That's what you got to do. You know what I mean? Then also being a photographer, artist kind of helped, kind of hurt business for me. 100%. You can't do everything, right? No, not because I can do everything because where the money is, like artists don't artists don't pay a lot when it comes to photographers. That's not gonna be where your main source of income come from. So I was let everybody know right now, photographers. If you're a photographer, artist, you're not. You normally don't make a lot of money because normally younger people, it's like it's what you built from those connections that you're gonna make your money from. 
So um, I had to start going outside. Like in Atlanta, you can't just sit inside and not do nothing and everything. You know what I mean? So I had to start going out to clubs and, you know, connecting with other people and everything and start doing my own self projects. You know what I mean? And building stuff of my own. And that's really what it was from there. I started doing like own self projects and, you know, hitting people up and kind of starting from like the beginning again. Wow. Um, financially, were you okay? At points, hell no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. Damn. Fuck no. You know what I mean? But that's the that's, that's only person for that is mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because when you, when you think you're being around these people and everything, and because I'm with NLE, I don't have NLE money. I'm fine now. You know what I mean? Just because I'm with this artist and this artist and. You know, a lot of people in, in, in certain camps, everybody not rich. Mm-hmm. Just the artists. Everybody look look rich. They might put a chain on people's neck. But actually, in reality, we got to do good. And that's why I have to realize, like, being in L.A. and getting picked up some Berbers and, and planes and all type of shit. But I have to keep my reality with me. Because once I get off the clock and go back home, I can't still expect those things for myself. And that's what I feel like those are mine. You know what I mean? It's literally the number one thing when I see artists... Well, sorry, when I see photographers and videographers stuck on a celebrity artist, I'm always like, bro, please let me know that you know what's going on in the back end for yourself. Yeah. Don't think that you're because you're working for this major celebrity that you're going to be straight. You're not going to be no. straight just because yeah. you're working with them. That's an illusion you can get caught up into, too. You could be working for a famous artist and think, oh, I'm the shit now. I'm working with this dude. I'm straight. No, you're not straight, bro. You, you're just riding that same wave, whatever wave they're building, and you're helping them build it, and you're building it with them. But that does not mean at the end of the wave that you're going to see anything substantial as far as fin- financial stability. Exactly. Exactly, and all, and and like so, you can't you can't ride the wave because that wave can go down too. Then yeah. that's why you got to start building something of your own, y'all. You know, to catch up on your own. But you can't, you can't just, you know, build up artists. You want something for yourself. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's uh, I had so I had a photographer hit me up one time, and he's like, not to not to toot my own fucking horn for a second, but he said to me. He's like, I remember when you were shooting music videos mm-hmm. and he's like, I want this guy to blow up. And he's like, you created your own lane after that. You started doing music reviews, started doing podcasting, you started mm-hmm. making skits, you started breaking out into the scene on your own. And I think that's the only reason you can look at me as L and say like, okay, that's kind of how you're supposed to break away and do it yeah. on your own. You have to find a way to significantly pivot. Yeah. Right. Now, how long did it take you to pivot? How long did it take you to create your own direction and wave? Um, before I said it, I said you, if anybody you did that, then in the best way. Yeah. Because one thing I say about you and seeing you all these years, you, you always social, funny, and you build natural relationships with people. And I feel like that's what got you far. So once you, it's not just the camera that keep you connected to people, it's your personality and everything, the funny, the humor, you know what I mean, and everything. And so after you get done doing what you're doing, if you want to be anything else, you can call these people up and still, hey, come through. So I feel like, Kudos to you, and that shit is dope, man. That's something I want to do. I really do want to do. I mean, that's what we're here for right now, man. Get your face on the camera. That's what you got to do sometimes. But what's the question again? So basically, uh, what what do you feel like was the moment? Did you have a pivoting moment after the stagnation, or what was the moment where you really felt like, okay, I'm sparked, I'm I'm back on my game again, and things are moving? Um, I was at the mall one time, and I didn't pick up my camera for like four days. I ain't picked up my camera like four days. I'm just out chilling, not doing shit, just waiting, just waiting for a phone call. And uh, I was at the malls at Lenox, and um, I'm walking, and these three guys walk up and tap me on my shoulder. He said, uh, "I know you. Um, aren't you damn Johnny?" He said, "Some yeah." And he put out his camera on his back, like, "Bro, I'm a big fan. Like, I you know I, I love your work and everything, man." He said, "You, you know, you know what you got planned next? You didn't really post much on Instagram. What's going on? Like, could you, like be my mentor? Like, just he was just very supportive." 
And I'm like, damn, like, maybe I do got something for myself. You know what I mean? Because, and, and that, that woke me up a lot. And I couldn't give him an answer. I'm like, I'm just chilling, bro. And I can see the energy kind of left. Like, oh, okay. All right. You're like, all right, well, nice meeting you, bro. Then I feel like a has-been. I'm like, fuck no, 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 no. Hell no. I, I, I got to get up and do something. I got to go take pictures of something. So, uh I ended up just getting outside for real and just, just linking up with people and just DMing people and, you know what I mean, hit my, hit my homeboy Vic Blends up, hey, what you, what you doing, man? I'm going to pull up with you type shit, you know what I mean? And getting that hunger again because you get so, at a point, because I had a lot of motion real fast, a lot of great motion, like, and it was, I, I, the one thing I hate, I hate I skipped the Detroit wave because I got turned going straight from nothing to Doug, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was no growth to get there. It was like this, it was like this great luck for that time being. So when I got out of that, I didn't know how to get back, grow back into it. So I had to get outside and I ended up, you know, linking up, taking pictures of Meech and my A&P people and, uh, you know what I mean? You got to start over. So I couldn't just build, go straight back up to Polo and Chris Brown and them on my own. I had to start from the bottom working my way up and that's what I did. So Did people know that you guys weren't working together? Like was it a social media post? No, or anything? no. Okay, no, so it's no. totally undercover. No, it was totally this is my first time actually talking about it for real. And okay. whatever issue we had How I, long ago was that? Um this is May twenty fifth, the day for my birthday. He had a this, show he had a show out here in Detroit and uh it was we was on tour and we drove out here and everything and that's why I had a conversation with my told him like, man, I feel like today gonna be my last day. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is, all love and that was it. That's May twenty fifth of this year. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. So this is relatively fresh, right? Yeah. Um, so now, after that moment, uh, you know, you're getting back outside. You're just meeting. You're starting all over, kind of like you said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think was the most significant thing that started the reboot? Um, my connections outside of the artists. So okay. the biggest thing, a lot of artists don't make decisions about the pictures, the videos, their team. So a lot of people, teams would reach out to me, like a Big 30 team. Then I, I created a book for NLE, so I had some you know, to show to people. Then um, with Boosie, you know what I mean? Yep. Me linking up with being with Boosie and everything. That was like a great thing. And uh, just meeting different producers and popping up different places. And uh, Trinidad James, I got really close with him and everything. Talk about the meeting up with Boosie. How did that come to play? Uh, Motion Family. So Motion mm-hmm. Family, they shot all his original videos in Atlanta, and uh, they introduced me to him. So we went to his pool party, took pictures of his pool party. Shout out Tootie, his new album. We uh, I did his album cover, like, on, on accident. Um, linking up with other camps, like AMP, and they introduced me to... Uh, my bad, AMG. AMG, they introduced me to um, Raul Rodriguez. Yeah. I shot a video for him and my only video ever. And I did his album cover. Then, oh, Jerry. Jerry Productions. Jerry PhD. That's my nigga. Mm. Yeah, so we got real, real close. And, and, like, it's only, we, like, hang out with each other in Atlanta all the time and everything. So I go vlog stuff for him and shoot BTS for him and everything. It's, that, it, that's just, that shit dope. Jerry PhD is the only person to tell me who's a fan of mine and still doesn't follow me on Instagram. I'll never understand that to this day, oh, man. Call Jerry. Jerry right now, I'm man. Call Jerry, Jerry up. Hey, Jerry, I mean, you shot a music video for T.I.'s son, bro. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, I didn't did. shoot it, but, huh? Yeah, so y'all did? I mean, I was there. Let me see. <laughs> I was there. Let me call, see what Jerry on, man. Yeah, call Jerry, man. Put FaceTime Jerry, man. I'm sick of this guy, bro. I bet, you know how long I've been promoting Jerry for? I used to put Jerry mm. in all my skits and always make a joke about Jerry's the biggest legend in Detroit. Come to meet him at T.I.'s son shoot. Mm. He goes, I'm a huge fan of yours. Bitch, why don't you follow me on Instagram, son? Oh, Goddamn. What's going on, man? Jerry. It, Jer- oh, Jerry, it's Kid O, man. Where were you at? What you doing, bro? What's that word, gang? Jerry, you know I need you on the podcast immediately, bro. Oh, we can put it together. That, that doesn't mean, no, man. Is it a yes or no? Are you coming through? <laughs> 
Make it make a promise right now. I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm gonna post this if you don't do it, man. I mean to put you on the spot, gang. I got some shit to talk. I might gotta come on there. Okay, all right, bad. I'll take that. I'll take that. Appreciate you, Jam. Hey, t- <laughs> uh, talk, uh, tell us about your boy real quick, man. Shout out your boy real quick. My nigga Johnny the Goat, man. He take the best pictures around this motherfucker. Can't nobody fuck with him. Oh, bro. For shit. sure, Jerry. I appreciate you, man. I'll be seeing you soon. It's a Jerry. I'm, I'm gonna be back in the A in a few days. I'm gonna tap in with you. Better song, call me. All right. Jerry yeah. PhD is a legend, man. A legend, he, um, man. he. You know, it's funny because I was chilling with Kiefer. You know Kiefer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was chilling with Kiefer and RJ Lamont. And uh, they said that Jerry PhD was the first person to get a call to shoot first day out for T Grizzly. But he didn't. I mean, he just missed the phone call. So that's how like, quick. That's how quick like that changed. Opportunity to go. Right. But look how fucking even. Think about how like significant it is that he didn't even need that to get as big as he got. Like the motherfucker got huge. Do you look at him? Did you look at him? On your come up, did you look at him while you were on the rise as inspiration? Or? Hell yeah, cause you're from the city. Like I never, I never really shot music videos before, so mm-hmm. I only done pictures. But looking at him and like, that's a videographer, but he damn near looked like a rapper. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's like a legendary. And growing up and hearing this, it's, it's a Jerry production type shit from Try Me and like and and on my mama from Cash Kid and a bunch of other fucking songs in the transition to go to Dirk and all these big fucking names. Like that shit is amazing, man. But People don't realize Jerry been in this game for like 10 years, mm-hmm. 10, 11 years. So any videographer, bro, he, he's been doing this for 10 years. You know what I mean? He started off in, in in high school. So it's all about the time you put in, too. You know what I mean? Like, it looked great now, but back then, Jerry was working his ass off. Jerry never, he told me he never went out to like the clubs or parties and shit. He was in that bitch studying his Sony and whatever software he was using and shit. Like, and they're really locked in. And now he like, he fucked up the whole video, like the uh, music video industry now. He's the closest person we have to Cole Bennett. Yeah, he, yeah, hell, fuck yeah. yeah. Like he's like he's the views he getting is way more than anybody's because he's showing labels that you don't need these hype William type eighty, ninety thousand, hundred thousand dollar budget with these super huge cameras and shit. You know what I mean? He made it cool to like, hey, I'm just gonna get this DSLR and you know what I mean with a major artist and only do in house you know type shit and make it dope and make it look way better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, for sure. So, yeah, 100%. shout out to Jerry. Yeah, shout out to Jerry. Come on the motherfucking podcast, man. But yeah, no, shout out to Jerry. He uh, definitely inspirational as hell. And uh, especially, one thing I always told people, I mean, I know I'm talking about money a lot, but it is important for people to make Hell money yeah. while they're doing this. And one thing about Jerry, people didn't realize is people would come out and be like, I shoot better videos than Jerry. Why don't people come shoot with me? I'm like, listen, not only does Jerry shoot phenomenal music videos, right? but... Guess how many people are going to see that music video when it drops? Yeah. And guess who some of those people are that are going to see that music video yeah. when it drops? Top names mixed in with a 100,000 fan base are going to see it. So it's not only about the quality of your content, but the network of people that you're going to have to view that content afterwards. So Absolutely. You can, you can be incredible at the game, but rappers are really looking at, all right, if I drop my video with Jerry, not only is it going to be fire, but a lot of people are going to see it versus, yeah, dog, you shoot great videos, but nobody's going to see that shit when it drops. Yeah. No, uh, no disrespect. Absolutely. 100%. And Jerry, on his YouTube, he got a huge fan base. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's a guy giving the truth. And, like, um, it's, it's his, 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 his uh, what's it called? His slogan, it's a Jerry. Like, that's a part of the song now. Yeah, yeah. That's a part of the song. Like, that. that's like Doug Whistle or... No, Rick Ross saying, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's a part of it, and you you have to pay for that, and that can turn that shit all the way around because, like, people like to say, oh, the, oh, um, he shoot my videos, and he shoot Dirk videos too, you know what I mean? Like, 
they feel special. They feel honored. Like, you know, up there, like, you know, we got the same videographer type shit. So that's that's what people want. Oh, for you sure. You got to build that resume. You got to build all that shit up. So don't compare yourself to nobody. Like, Jerry's on chapter 12 right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you are probably on chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. You probably didn't work past some skill-wise, which I doubt because he's amazing. You know what I mean? But you can't compare where you at now to where somebody been at for years prior you know what i mean like i'm no I'm, I'm on chapter i'm taking pictures for three and a half years you know what i mean so i'm on chapter three hmm. motion family or like gunner stall or, or whoever Aster probably might be on chapter seven chapter eight well i think when people look at you they would think you surpassed chapter three because you know you you've worked Fuck with people off. that you know why though bro because Fuck think about off. it if you train if you went from like basically shooting regular ass shit to shooting with one of the biggest stars in the world mm-hmm multiple stars in the world that fast it's like you skip the line like you said earlier you know how you kind of said earlier like you feel like you just instantly like all right next chapter yeah people work 10 years to do what you're doing now yeah. so you're in a position where you've experienced the height of everything who do you think like the who do you think is the most um prominently known person that you've taken a photo for or just got to snap a picture of uh Probably Chris Brown and King Von. Right. Like King Von, for sure, that picture, the picture I took of him was in this obituary, R.P. King Von. Yeah. And they used that picture for everything. Um, thug, but it, but also it's about, I say Von because it's about the picture you take of people, but a lot of a lot of photographers take pictures of rappers, but the rappers don't ever see it or get a chance to use it. So I just really count of like the pictures I've got that they look into the camera and they see it and repost it and acknowledge it and keep it in their phone so it's something special. Yeah. So I say 100% King Von. Shout out King Von. Yeah, shout out. Rest in peace, King Von, man. Legendary that you, you were able to use something that's timeless now, right? So it's probably going to be used forever when they rep- talk about him. Like, yeah. Like you said, in the obituary and everything like that. Um, yeah, man, when you think about working with those people, I always tell people like you're never going to be in rooms with people or be able to work with those people if you weren't supposed to be there exactly so you were capable and you were uh competent enough to be in those situations that's why i don't think chapter three but moving along from that man um now you were rebuilding yourself this wasn't too long ago may right Right. so that's like less than seven months ago whatever the fuck um talk about what you've been accomplishing thus far um i said i came i came out with a book and everything for uh in a lead tour after that then Really, it's like just a lot of cool milestones for a lot of people. I work with relationships and just overall just a mental break I can get for myself and see what I want to do for the future. You know what I mean? And actually getting to the point of me kind of growing out of the whole artist thing and becoming somebody photographer. I want to I want to go bigger than that. You know mm. what I mean? So I want to start doing YouTube next and start making courses, you know, and travel the world. You know what I mean? Because uh, I've, I've learned a lot being with Chop and everything, too. But it's been a blessing. Like I shot Sway Lee and I helped out shoots with Sway Lee and... Boozy and and uh, it's everybody for real. So I don't, you know, I don't really know. I'm still trying to actually figure that shit out, but I got a plan for sure. I mean, bro, you're surrounded by the greats. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you're gonna be a part of that eventually. You know, just about keeping keeping it up. Um, you know, for a four day break you took. It was only a four day break you took, right? Mm-hmm. And was this a time? Did you think about stopping at all, or was it kind of just like let me just take a rest? Um. No, nah, I'm gonna stop talking about stopping. I just ain't have, in my mind. I just didn't have shit to shoot. I was used to people. It's so crazy though. It's yeah, like you're working with the top dogs, and then all of a sudden it's like you don't, you know, you figure people be banging at the door. Yeah, could work with you. No, no, like artist was a little bit, yeah, but um, you gotta market yourself. You gotta. I wasn't marketing myself. That's the main thing. You gotta market yourself, and I really wasn't making no money at that time because 
um, even regular people. That's where most of your money might come from sometimes. They didn't want to shoot me because they look at my fucking page. Oh, he, oh, I know he charged too much. Oh, yes. he's not, it's not going to DM me. You know what I mean? He's not, whatever with woo. Like, I said, like, if you want to do a photo shoot, you can do a photo shoot with me. You know what I mean? No matter what I charge, just ask. Like, I know when I come to Detroit, I know everybody here isn't like, have label money, just whatever you want to do, a vision. If I like it, let's work and let's do it. Yeah, it's an interesting time. Lace Visual. I don't know if you're familiar with Lace Visual. Yeah, Zay Primo. Uh, Zay Primo. Yeah, shout out to Zay. Yeah, he came out with a um, whole thing about how, you know, artists are only willing to really pay $500 for like a music video or like a really crazy ass photo shoot. Um, and that's like the market right now. You know, as mm -hmm. great as your quality is, it's like, you know, either you're generally speaking paying $500 for a, a good video, a solid video, or you're going to Jerry PhD money. You're spending five ten racks minimum yeah. like to get something going um how do you feel about the market right now how do you feel about sustainability when it comes to being a photographer right now in detroit uh sustainability is hard um especially what's well, getting better for photography in detroit because we as at least for rappers and stuff <laughs> because you, the rap game is growing too but i feel like uh detroit getting a lot of creative shout out jet set you know what i mean he made <laughs> his own lane with that but you you got to make your value go up. It I learned it's not about how good quality your work is. You got to make something different from it. People yes. got to get something else out of it too. Like okay, for example, if 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 lace right, I've never been on a, a video set for lace right. But what does the video set provide? It's like the ideas, the treatments only just pull up to this bando and shoot this scene, whatever with the rule. <clears throat> or are you actually getting, or is he actually directing it with somebody else shooting it? You know what I mean with the. Uh, a production manager, you know what I mean, with actual budget and, and layout, are you are you blocking off streets? What makes your video worth more than just five hundred dollars? Mm. Not just your quality, you know what I mean. If I pull up, is there food at the video shoot? Does I have a paper layout? Like I've been on major sets, like with Cole Bennett or Ben Mark or Motion Family, and you can tell, okay, this set is worth about at least eight thousand. This is sort of set at least worth sixty, eighty thousand. You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of videographers, even photographers. Just, yeah, of course, make sure to work the best, but make sure your service is the best, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Cole Bennett, man. Another person, like, uh, that was, I kind of idolized, not idolized, but I, his wardrobe's fire, no cap. Yeah. I like the way the motherfucker presents himself. Very yes. chill-ass vibes. Hell yeah. Very humble-looking vibes, but he's literally the most successful music video director at the budget of lane he's shooting for. Probably is the most prominently known music video director in the world. 100%. And shout I don't out, think, yeah. I don't shout think. out Cole. He inspired me. So that's Talk like, about your relationship with Cole Benjamin. So we met Cole in Chicago. We had sat down and had dinner with him. Cole shot, shot a flow. Shout out Flo for Chopping, Camelot from a while back. Then anytime we go to Chicago, we go chop it up with him and everything. So we had dinner and I introduced myself and we just sitting there laughing, talking and eating Chinese food and shit. Then um I showed him some of my work and told him my same story and everything. He said he was like, no, he was inspired. Like, like that was dope, brother. So uh I ended up getting his number. Then I would just, you know, text him. So I somehow do always remember people's birthdays, learn people's birthdays. So when your birthday come up, no matter who it is, whoever artist on my phone from Ronnie James or whoever it is, I'd text you a few weeks before, uh, week before what you doing for your birthday, bro. You know what I mean? It's like a little social tactic. And um, I hit him up like, hey man, you good, brother? How you been? Whatever with the rule. And, and he's like, I've been good. I said, what you got going on this week? He said, I ain't nothing. I got a video shoot um in a, a few weeks. You know, you trying to come through? I'm like, hell yeah. So I end up flying out there and uh, he got me a hotel room and staying with him. I got to go to Lim Lyrical Lemonade shit, and I'm riding the car with him and everything. We just got really, really cool from that set. Were you guys working on together? What was the project? Uh, it was a guy uh, named from Treats. It's, it's, um, worked on one for Young Thug artists. It was at a prison. That shit was fucking dope. 
Then what's the name of the motherfucker that uh I got black, I got white, what you want? Yeah, Lil Tekka. We did a video oh, shoot for Lil Tekka. Yeah. Everybody's gonna be like, bro. Yeah. We got Tekka's name. Come <laughs> yeah, on, Tekka. Man. So we did a video shoot for Tekka and shit. And um and that was it. So just every I always just hit him up and see how he's doing and shit. And then if it come natural, then I'll you know pull up. Hey, let me pull up to the video. She's like, oh, yeah, pull up for sure. This is the most fascinating talk in the world, but I have to pee. Oh yeah, it's cool. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, we're back on. Mm-hmm. Now we we're talking about Cole Bennett for a second there, man. Um, yeah. One of the people that I think when I was looking up to music videos, <laughs> it's so crazy. When I was looking at who mm-hmm. shot music videos, I couldn't find nothing about them. We're gonna throw a phone. Yeah, I was one. Well, he should pick it up, bro, because we have bad luck with throwing it. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we almost had a light, we almost had a lighter pop earlier. Oh, bad. Um, Cole Bennett, yeah, man. Cole Bennett is so interesting to me because. He made me feel like I could take the equipment I have now and just get super creative and, and produce something. Fuck if you yeah. watch uh, the Sada Baby music video, Ape Shit, that I shot, mm-hmm. I don't know if you Great music seen. video, yeah. Thank you. Uh, that was my first music video ever under the name Kid Al, ever. Wow. Okay. That was in 30 frames per second when you were supposed to drop it to 24. I didn't do that. Shit. So that's how bad I was. <laughs> but I had a scene where Sada Baby jumps on this car in Detroit, and when he jumps on the car, the car takes off. And do you know how many people called me the next day? How'd you get the car? To drive off with Sada Baby on top of it. I was like, bro, I was editing. Uh-huh. But people don't know that little three seconds took me six hours to make. I yes. had to layer and layer and layer and layer and do all this. And I was doing all these crazy ass effects. Mm-hmm. The reason I felt honored about that video was because in the comments, half of the comments were about how crazy the video was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, that's shit. the best fucking fart. Right on. So um, I don't even know why the fuck I brought that. Oh, Cole Bennett. So he was the mm-hmm. inspiration, though, because I was like, damn, you can really take these cameras that don't cost $10,000, dollars $40,000 and take these sets that cost nothing and turn it into something. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, having it, looking at things from a different angle, a different perspective, I'm curious to see what perspectives you learned from Cole Bennett. What did you, what knowledge did you gain from working with him? Uh, three major things. One, um, uh, it's the BU. Being around a lot of rappers, especially rappers I've been around, very flashy, money, girls, jewelry, it make you want it have the same thing or get the same respect you know what i mean so just because everybody got married fit now you feel like you get you want to wear a married fit now but cole i learned from him to tell me this just to be yourself and just do what you know and do focus on what got you there that's just gonna keep you there yes you know what i mean so i want to be the best photographer not the best looking photographer facts and cole he's he's so amazing what the fuck he do what he wears inspires other videographers yeah those fucking Berman, whatever, those sandals he'd be wearing. Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. Yeah, he damn near made the stock go up. You know, it. everybody wanted Birkenstocks and they shoot videos because of Cole. I was wearing Birkenstocks before him, but yes, <laughs> I do respect was, that. He I was do, the first. I was the first one to wear Birkenstocks <laughs> in Detroit because it, it, as, a, as a music video director, and trust me, I was doing it before Cole Bennett, but he's a legend, so I'll give it to him on that one. But no, dude, seriously, like, his... His pers- you can see who he is through his pictures. His work ethic is, is is crazy, bro. Oh, stay calm. Yeah, stay calm. Stay calm, man. We sets about him on. It's been shit that go horrible wrong, yeah. like dropping lenses and shit. But you, because he's the leader of everything. Mm-hmm. He's the you know everybody's moving off his energy. If he gets to panicking and gets upset, yeah, then it's gonna throw off the vibe of everybody. Nick, what was the, one of the first things I used to say when we used to shoot music videos, man? Do you remember what I used to say when anytime things got frantic? Shit gonna go wrong. Basically, like, just pretend you're a real stone and everything's happening. 
Yeah, I used yeah. to. I used to say. I used to, no matter what was happening, I used to say, "Pretend you're high." Mm-hmm. I don't care what happened. I don't care who did this. What happened? Why this happened? How this didn't work? Pretend you're high. Yeah. Because just like Cole Bennett, right? If you're off, if you're the director, if you're the leader of the ship, and you're flipping out, everybody else is gonna start flipping out. What happens? The production. That's an ego thing. At the end of the day, yeah. that's when you get too sensitive and you don't know how to control yourself. I used to work for a wedding videographer. He was literally the biggest wedding videographer in Michigan. Mm-hmm. He used to shoot literally. $40,000 weekends for one wedding. Shit. Indian weddings. Because you know Indians do like three, four days. Yeah. <laughs> he used to be making 30, 40 grand per wedding. He was the most frantic motherfucker yelling at me for nothing, bro. Mm-hmm. He used to be one of those guys that used to want to talk your ear off. And if you would say one word back, he'd be like, we can fucking get to work. Work. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. this is the worst type of environment to yeah. work in this motherfucking bitch place. He'd he be working alone. Yeah. So, you know, that's when I learned from him when I used to get, you know, when you work for people, it's the worst. Yeah. So, I never wanted to be that person. I never wanted to be the person that when you come work with me or come collaborate with me, that you feel some type of weird tension or you feel intimidated or you feel whatever. Now, yeah, we have to get the job done. There might be some pressure going on, but you're never going to see me flip out. You're never going to see me demand you to do something or or be taken on a position where you feel stressed out or you feel like you don't want to work with me ever again. That hurts the environment of the whole fucking room. Because now you're moving out of fear, not respect. Not because you want to get the work done. You know what I mean? When you work for major artists, you said the egos got inflated. You know, egos are always flipping out over the table. What was the most ego artistical moment you ever witnessed you don't have to name any artist or anything like that but do you remember seeing something like goddamn celebrities are really out here acting like this yeah um i'll tell you a story uh, i was with the artist and he had his uh new new girlfriend with him and he's the type of artist that he don't want nobody talking to his girl nobody looking at his girl like nothing like nothing and um he uh one time we was on stage and he was performing i was taking pictures of him and stuff and i guess his girl's was too close to me because we were on the same side of the stage. I'm taking pictures, doing my job, not thinking nothing much of it. He pulled me aside out the stage, like, hey, bro, stay the fuck away from my girl. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what the fuck you think this is? Like, stay away from my girl. I ain't going to tell you again. And we got to an argument. Like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, I'm not worried about your girl. You know what I mean? And shit, like, it's, it's, it's a bunch of fucking stories, man. It's the stories that, like, might not reflect on me, but I've been with artists that have been really assholes to people, like, really rude shit. You know what I mean? Like, embarrassing people in front of people. Like, damn, they're Suge Knight type. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, come on, man, it's not cool. And that's why I kind of steer away from certain artists too. You know what I mean? Because artists, I want that to be a reflection of myself. You know what I mean? So, I understand that. Yeah, like you don't want to be a part of any vibe that's not genuine to the vibe that you will bring to the table. No, no. Because you can walk in with a camp, you're a part of that camp. That's what you're known for. Right? So if you do some fuck shit and the wrong person can see it, you know what I mean? Then I'm a part of your camp. If I, if I do, if, if you give me a chain, I get my chain snatched. If I get my whatever chain snatched, then oh no, then this member from this camp got his chain snatched. You know what I mean? No matter who it is. Oh yeah. You know the worst thing I would always wake up to, like the actually the thing that used to scare me the most and used to hurt my heart the most was when I would wake up and I would see an old picture of a rapper friend posted mm-hmm. by anybody on Instagram. Yeah. Once you see an old picture of your friend. Yeah. You think it's something happened. Yeah. I why why is this old picture of my friend being posted? So you get scared out of your heart, like, what happened to my friend? That's the worst part about being a part of the entertainment industry is when you wake up and you look at, you know, a rapper friend on Instagram and you don't know why that picture's being posted. Yeah, facts. You're sitting there like your heart sinks for a second, like, man. Why? So, like I was I remember where I was at with mine. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not like dog. You know what I mean? But like you said, you're a part of a camp, you're a part of a camp. You you know, that's part of your presentation and you know, the atmosphere that you bring. When people want to book you for something or if you want to work with certain people, they know you're affiliated with these people. So, 
You know, if you're going somewhere and every second something's happening or that person's on the headlines for the wrong things, yeah. you're a part of that. It so, can reflect on you. Yeah. So it, e- even in, during a loss or if it's during a beef or if it's during anything, you're a part of that to some degree. Yeah. And you, you and I hate that rap is the only genre like that. Where you got to know the beef politics and rap politics. And I try to I stay out of it for sure. Yeah. Bring you that mic a little bit closer to you. Uh, you it's better if you bring it okay. versus you. Yeah. Uh, just swing it. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. So the beef shit, I stay out of it. it has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? But it'd be questions like, you know, if you worked with this artist, would you work with this artist? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it'd be like, yeah, but long as, you know, long as not like nobody disrespecting somebody that I'm actually personal with because I, most artists I take pictures of that I'm actually really close with and personal with. You know what I mean? So it's tricky. It's tricky as fuck, but I'm the cameraman. I remain the cameraman. I don't, I don't throw up nothing. I never... Threw up NLE, I never threw up, you know, Doug is a, whatever he, what he affiliated with, I never claimed to be foe too. I'd just be me because I don't want to affiliate with that shit. I remember when there was a time where I got myself in some real serious trouble in the industry. I don't remember what I did, but I got myself in some real serious trouble. And mm-hmm. I remember my friends were saying, they got my back. And I was like, no, I don't want you to have my back. Yeah. I don't want, I don't need you to have my back. I don't want you to have my back because if you have my back, I'm affiliated with what you're affiliated with. And whatever you do to reconcile the situation that's me. That's a target on my back, regardless. And I remember yeah. him saying to me, "Throw my throw my tag up on your page." And and you know, and I was like, "No, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. throw my I'm not gonna throw my tag up on my your tag up on my page. I'm not gonna say that. You're not gonna give me no chain. Yeah, you're not gonna do none of that." And uh, it was a real breaking moment. I was glad I did that because at the end of the day, bro, I'm responsible for what decisions I make, not responsible for what decisions other people make, especially yeah. when other people are reckless. As far people are saying, <laughs> you're dealing with rappers, man. Some some rappers are really about that. Some rappers yeah. are really living the life that they rap about. Facts. So if you're affiliated with them, welcome to the party to some degree. And so I know what you're saying, where it's a hard decision to make. Like for instance, let's just say you're working with one major artist, and he doesn't have he has a problem with another major artist. But that opportunity, that opportunity is major to work with that other artist for you, but you can't do that, yeah, right? Facts. Because, but sometimes some people will say, no, you got to go do it. Yeah. Like, for example, like, people ask, would I work with YB? <clears throat> yeah. What's wrong with working with YB? You just, a lot of artists I work with don't like him. <clears throat> I mean, like, him and Chopper had a falling on there. They're they not, you know, best friend. But, yeah. Like, honestly, like, <clears throat> it's, it, it gets a certain level of the point. I be thinking, like, would Tupac artists have took pictures of Biggie? Yes. In my opinion, you know what I mean? But I just like, you just got to keep it, as long as you keep it business, bro. Just keep it business. I don't know if Tupac and Biggie's people would work with each other. I, I mean, his photographer. You think the photographer would go from Tupac to Biggie? I mean, he, I mean, if Biggie was at somewhere and Biggie asked for a picture, he wouldn't tell him no. Man, I wonder. Back in the day, uh-huh. it was so serious that I don't know, man. I really don't. Now, but and also, I feel like I don't understand a lot of the beef going on, too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, And also, if, if, if an artist want me to go kill for him... <laughs> You know what I mean? Want me to like go fight? You know what I mean? Whatever we do, you my homeboy. But like, if you if I had ops to see my ops, would you go do the same thing? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So once you remain a photographer, remain humble. I'm still from the hood and everything too. But I know certain stuff I don't want to get myself into is outside of business. Mm-hmm. And that's all. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just stick to stick to what the fuck you know. Yeah, yeah. Stay out the way, basically. Stay out the way. Yeah, because. Really. Cameraman getting a lot of crossfire. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm always in front of him. I got paid attention to this motherfucking camera, not everything else. Did you get to skip the hood shoots? Yeah. You skipped all that? Yeah. yeah I you never had like... a gun pointed at me in a, in a shoot, none of that shit. <laughs> I've been trickled back to, you know, go to a few, but yeah, I, I never really had in the hood, hood shoots. Yeah, y'all, like I said, videographers got it way worse than photographers. 
Oh man, yeah, hundred percent. That like that's that's one craft I could say that I could. That that shit ain't easy to answer. So if you can do videos, good, bad, I hey, I condemn you for that. Bro, in two thousand, I think it was two thousand eighteen, and I have footage of this. It was me, Drago, uh, it was Freaky Man, and it was um, uh, who's that producer who made Blocks Party? Jose the Plug. Jose, the, yeah. So it's me, Drago, Jose the Plug, and a lot of Big Squad members. Mm-hmm. We literally got raided by a SWAT team at a video shoot in the hood. And they came up and they're like, what are all these weapons doing out in the open? And mm-hmm. I'm, my boy Freaky came up and he had talked to the officer. And I'm just sitting there holding this video camera like, mm-hmm. this is really like, really happening. Like yeah, this shit, crazy, we're yeah. in a situation now. Like we're in a situation where we can all go to jail right yeah, now. There's real. guns, everything. There's things, that, you know, this and that everywhere. So it gets it gets really real out there, bro. But you got to skip all that. So skip all that. It, it still be some bullshit sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm happy I said no to and everything, but I'm happy I got to skip all that that portion of everything. Yeah. What was the most wild moment you've ever experienced while you're working? My most wild moment I ever experienced while working. Um, let me see. Fuck. Uh, I can't tell that story. <laughs> that story. Okay, I'll I tell you almost the most wild moment. Happy I dodged. Uh, I was supposed to be uh, there with um, Quando team as their photographer the night that shit happened with uh, Vaughn. Oh, wow. But Vaughn was my friend. I didn't know they were beefing. Mm. But I was happened to have a girl with me, and I stayed with her. I woke up the next morning, all that shit happened. Yeah. So it'd be little shit like that, and like six, seven people. Well, I, I'm, I've, quite a few people passed away, not including Vaughn, but bystanders and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, like, if you got a little shit like that, you'd be happy you miss. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you used to be in a crossfire and shit. But it was a crazy moment. Um, I mean, that's pretty fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, that's to... fucking. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be a lot of crazy. It'd be so much shit, man. Every time I skip something, it was like that morning something was telling me not to go to that thing. Yeah. It's like some type of energy is like, don't go to that thing tonight. But no matter what it is, if I, if, if, if I can't get there, like. I'm like, okay, fuck it. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Then thank God for, based off my look and my morals, it'd be the place I shouldn't have been. Talk about your relationship with King Von, man. So, um, being with Doug, we always go to the studio in Atlanta and everything. And one day, Doug let me and Flex just go to the studio and he said he'd be there later on. And we was there for like hours and hours and hours. So, Doug pull up, we, he making music, whatever with Wu. Then he said, uh, somebody was about to pull up. I'm like, all right, bet. And fucking King Von and his crew walk in. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm still new to this shit. I'm like, that's, in my head, I'm like, that's Vine, that's dope. And I'm playing 2K. And immediately, he's the first artist I've seen that walk in and shake everybody's hand. And that is a big deal. You know, because that show, like, that, that let the tension out of the room immediately. He walked up, he grabbed my control, he grabbed the controller and said, hey, pick your team. Like, he, like as soon as he walked in, play 2K. So we, we so we ended up playing with the rules. Then Doug said he went to play, so I get a controller to Doug and... We just in the studio all night, just fucking around, like having fun. Then we ended up going to a show that night, and that shit was crazy. Whatever, when we laughing throughout the show and shit. Then I take pictures of him and everything. Then when we got back, we was talking about hooping, and he said, "Hey, you hoop?" I'm like, "Yeah." He said, "You just come hoop with us tomorrow." So we go in Atlanta and hoop, and Dirk pull up, and so <laughs> me, him, Dirk, and a few other other they friends, we just hooping. That's hilarious. It's, it's fucking crazy. Who's the best hooper? Dirk. Dirk hoops, yeah, yeah Dirk, Dirk hoops. does hoop. That's right, he does. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk, a bad motherfucker. He, I say, Dirk, Chris, then Dirk, Chris Brown, 
and uh, probably Chopper. Yeah, Chopper. Chopper for sure. Chopper Isn't it kind of funny though? Like when you're watching people that like, you you've been paying attention to your whole life, and you're just like literally playing basketball with them. Like, yeah, that shit blew me. That shit blew me. <laughs> watching even like maybe if they have a goofy movement or something when yeah. they play or do something weird is like. Damn, bro, I used to listen to you on the radio. Yeah, like, Vine played basketball like a football player. You know what I mean? Like, that shit, he jump high as fuck. He run fast as fuck. Uh, Dirk, Dirk the Swifty with it. And uh, who, probably Chris Brown probably was the craziest. Because, like, that's not somebody you think you going to make it to their house and play basketball with mm. and, and meet. So I'm guarding this motherfucker. And I'm, like, not nervous, but, like, it's like, I like in third grade, I did a black history project on him. Wow. So when, it's, it's hard meeting certain people, like Gucci Mane. Chris Brown, and probably would have been like uh, DMX, somebody like my top three people that I like look up to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So being at Chris Brown house, it was like fucking nervous, man. You know what I mean? Then you had to ask some questions and shit. So that shit was dope. Uh, did you get to work with DMX? No. Oh, okay. Dude. No, I wish. Um, so Chris Brown's house, what's that like? What was the experience like? Uh, so we pull up. And it's a, it's a security waiting outside the gate. Then we was in the car. I'm like, man, we here. And I know he was going there to halfway on the way there. He's like, who with Chris? I'm like, Chris, Chris, Chris Brown. I'm like, shit. So the gate opened, and it was like, the gate opened, and he walked out with like six, seven big-ass dogs. Then behind him, it's, it's like a GTA garage. Then it's a fucking tank that Kanye gave him. Then it's like a, a, this Lamborghinis that's fucking like a mirror or some shit it's like fucking crazy walk up and dap him up shake his hand and we go into his house and got super huge double doors and his house like a fucking um arcade yeah like his arcade and shoes and everything and spray painted and everything then you walk in you see it's a grammy laying around Mm. and a michael jackson memorabilia then it's a hawk then dirt bikes it's like what the fuck bro so it's, it's a lot to process yeah yeah so it was just then we go hoop outside and and we sit down and talk and everything. We we'll go to the studio. We, we, they made some music. We listened to some music and shit like that. Yeah. So that shit was fucking dope. Um, I know a lot of photographers are probably watching this right now. They're probably super inspired because, you know, they know beyond just working with the artist that because you're working with an artist at that caliber that you're representing something beyond just a photo, right? Yeah. Because when you're taking a picture of a person who's built a legacy like a Chris Brown and who's built like, you know, mm-hmm. the... Uh, I guess just the entertainment value that they provided and the changing the, the way music works and the entertainment scene works, it's like you're part of that process moving forward. So people are probably heavily inspired by you just hearing the story so far. Mm-hmm. What's something you can talk to photographers and tell photographers right now to get started, get themselves situated, and get themselves to the point where they're ready to shoot a Chris Brown photo shoot or just be around these caliber of artists and entertainers? The first thing um, is to prepare when nobody is looking. So if there's something about your camera you don't know, lighting, and I'm still learning shit. You need to be learning every single day about your camera. So the point is, everybody get opportunities about being ready for the opportunity. Two is you got to be social. You got to be able to think outside the box and do and create what isn't there. And that's how you can get around these people. Mm. You know what I mean? And for me, it is... It just happened naturally just being myself, not trying to be nothing else, not trying to be cocky, not trying to be an asshole, just be, you know, being humble. Then you end up in the right places. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's all it is. So just work your ass off, connect as much as you can, and go see the world. Photography shit's expensive enough. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so y'all know we can only afford, sometimes only afford this shit. You know what I mean? And next thing, you need to be a plane. You need to get outside of Detroit. You need to go visit somewhere else out of the country. That's where... It, your money to be spent on going to see the world. You know what I mean? Then that's going to change your perspective. That's the main thing is your perspective. 
also people want to know about equipment. I remember when I was shooting, I always had questions. What am I shooting with? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the most annoying question because yeah. you already know why. But talk about how much equipment you have to get at the caliber that you're working at. Um, this. That's it. I don't. I have a lot of shit. I got. How many lenses do you carry? Two. So you carry two lenses and you were shooting like top dogs in in the industry. No, I, ju- we, I just got that lens. Shout out my homeboy Juan. We got that lens back from somebody. That, you know what I mean? So when you were working with all these high caliber artists, you had one lens the whole time. Yeah, wow. I, fir- I first started off with a, with a thirty five millimeter. That lens right there. Mm-hmm. That's the only lens I had when I got linked with chopping them. Then on my twenty four by seven on my uh six D Mark II, I only had twenty four by seventy. Only only have a twenty four by seventy for that's all I really use. Like it's the most versatile lens. It's the best thing you can get. But I wanna, you know, I want some more lenses, yeah. But I be on the go so much, it's rare you get to change up and switch out lenses in certain situations. You know what I mean? But for photo shoots, yeah. But you only need a lens and a camera. That's it. It's not about what camera you got for real. It's about the knowledge you got. If I if I can give the basic person this camera, they're not gonna know what to do with it. You know what I mean? And if they give me a T5 or T2i right now, I can still make better pictures than that person because I know more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not about the it's not a, don't so focused on the quality and shit, or not the quality, the the how much the camera costs, the hardware. Or the hardware. It's like well, cool. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's not just the cameras, the editing, it's the knowledge you got behind it. That's why they make the shit so cold. Yeah, I'm not gonna name any names or anything like that, but I remember there was a time <laughs> yeah. where um, I was watching somebody in the industry who happens to have fake followers and shit. But anyway, he's still <laughs> people still know who he is. He was shooting with the red camera. Uh-huh. He was shooting music videos. He just had got it. And he was shooting. I was like, bro, this looks like a fucking B garbage, like bullshit ass music video. Like it looked terrible. Basically, he shot in 60 frames and exported it in 60 frames on a music video. Shit. Which you already know if you do that, it's going to come out looking like a sports video versus a film. Right. Right. So I'm watching him. He's using this $25,000 camera, $30,000 camera. And he's not knowing what the fuck he's doing. Meanwhile, my boy Hustleberry Finn from BMVP is shooting with a GH5 yeah. and making remarkable videos. And now it's a good camera, but. Compare that to a Reddit, you can't even compare the two. You so can't. it's really about the person behind the camera more than the camera itself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But people get this notion when they see you probably working with NLE and everybody, they're like, he probably has like six lights. He probably has like 15 lenses. He probably has a reflector guy. He probably has all this shit. Ain't got no time for none of that shit. Ooh. <laughs> I, I got a flash. I have a flash. I got, I got my camera my lens. I just got this last year. But before that, it was all 6D Mark II and 5D Mark IV. You For know sure. what I mean? But it's not all about the gear, bro. Yeah. Hell no. Nah. Beautifully said, bro. Um, Let's get back to uh, some artists that you worked with, man. Uh, I know G Herbo, you know, he's connected with Detroit, man. Mm-hmm. Talk about working with him. Uh, Working with G Herbo, uh, I met him in L.A. First at Rolling Loud, then we met him at Polo G House. And uh, they all sat down and made music and shit, and we were just all sitting and laughing and, and talking. We all played basketball afterwards, and I got connected with uh, Digital J as his photographer. Shout out, bro, talented dude. And um, yeah, we you just see him around a lot, and every time I see him, I would get some, like I get the best pictures. Like when he was in Atlanta, he did a video shoot with Jerry. Shout out Jerry. He did No Guts No Glory outside this red church. That's on my page. Y'all can check it out. And I got like the dopest fucking pictures of him in front of that red cross you know what i mean so now anytime i see him it's like it's always love wow man oh that's fucking awesome yeah that's uh you know the people that work with detroit artists and stuff like that i always find myself listening to their music more for mm-hmm. some reason he yeah. was one of those artists i was like bumping more it, when you were working with nle did you find yourself bumping his music harder than anybody else or how was it did, or did you still kind of have your own ear for what you're listening I to i have my own ear for, for sure I, I like i had to introduce him to detroit music oh for real yeah 
So he didn't know what was going on over here? Nah, not really. Who did you introduce him to for? First video I played for him was uh was Black Party. Uh -huh. He was getting a haircut <laughs> and I just had the remote. I just put on Black Party. Yeah. He was just looking whatever with the woo and uh I'm, I'm like, you fuck with he said, Yeah, straight, straight, straight. One time we was leaving, um, what was it, Zach Randolph party? A, a Bronnie James. It was somebody party. Then I put on Acorn by, uh, by what's his name? Baby Smooth. He was, man, this shit ass, man. I'm like, bro, what the? I'm like, hell no. You tripping? This baby's it's smooth. What you mean? All this shit ass, bro. So they ear is different. Like, people just not catching on Detroit Wave. Now, now I hear this shit everywhere. Bad first, when I was in the military, people people out there, like, turn that shit off, bro. Shit is crazy. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it's, uh. What did you, did you show any artists? Did you introduce anybody else to Detroit music? Uh, everybody, bro. I wear Detroit hat everywhere. I try to have something Detroit on me. That's like my main thing is that I'm from Detroit. Anytime I go anywhere, I rep that hard as fuck. So these major hard artists didn't know what was going on in Detroit. A lot of, a lot of, majority of them did. This Chopper didn't know too much. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's a different the mu type of music he made isn't like a Detroit sound or like a Detroit fan base. Like they listen to Doug and getting money street shit. Chopper is more like animated and shoot him up. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean. So did NL is the one who did the he got in the spiritual path, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that was the only thing that would. I, so, I'm I I consider myself in the spiritual lane. Like I, that's mm -hmm. my my goal in life is to get as spiritual as possible. But my definition of spirituality is just to be in in touch with the reality as far as possible, right? Like, yeah. you pretty much put aside your mental, you put aside your physical as right. much as you can, and you're just rooted in the energy that that's within you, and you just see life and perceive life the way it is exactly, with no mental shift or anything like that. Right. You just see life the way it is, right? That's right. my goal. When I was watching him talk about spiritual stuff, I was getting upset, bro. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting there. I'm just sitting there like, bro, there's... <sighs> okay, put it this way. Mm -hmm. I never talk about spiritual stuff. You know why? why? Because I'd rather refer you to the guru that I learned from yeah. before I speak about it. Because yeah. in reality, if we were really, really super spiritual... Uh -huh. We wouldn't be doing this shit. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we wouldn't facts, be. We yeah, wouldn't. Facts. We wouldn't even be able to rap about this stuff or say the stuff we wanted to say yeah. if we were the guidance for the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. So I refer you to my guru. I say, listen, man. I as much as I know about what I've learned, I'm gonna refer you. Right. And Ali came out like, I'm a hardcore. I'm a hardcore rapper and everything like that. And all of a sudden, now I'm spiritual. But then I'm gonna flip back and then I'm flip for you. Can't once you're yeah. spiritual. You have to be the guide for people. And yeah. I don't feel like he was a representative of a guide for spiritual thinking. Mm -hmm. As much as he tried to be, it was like kind of disrespectful the, to spirituality to some degree. I got it, it was it was a lot of uproar about that for sure. And I can um Do you think it was a marketing thing or was it no, like he was no, really no, like no. that? No, it it was for real. It was for real. Like when I first met him, it was like when he first made the transition. I never seen him smoke before. I never seen him eat meat before. That's all we eating is vegan food. And he's actually everything he says is like he's a spiritual person. Sometimes the first thing that comes to head that he might think he might just say on Twitter. That's why I look kind of crazy and stuff too. And I can just say honestly, he's really passionate about it. And he just made a bad transition from shoot him up, shoot him up to his next album, which was just all spiritual stuff. And then he like kind of, you know, fell off and everything too. But I feel like certain stuff he is very knowledgeable about, and I was around him every day. Like that, he lives, eat, and 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 every all that shit. But he can do a better way of projecting it. Sometimes the communication sure. of it, right? That's why I don't. Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't speak about it because I feel like I've interpreted it correctly. But I feel like my output of it, because I'm not rooted in it and living it, is harder to speak. So the things that you mm. aren't 
like for instance everybody says we're all one right mm-hmm. so the worst thing this is the only thing i'll say about anything spiritual the, the reason why we're saying we're all one is the worst thing is because if it's not in your experience to actually feel like you're all one yeah then you're living a delusional lifestyle you're still living in your mind thinking we're all one yeah. versus if you're actually in the experience of feeling like holy shit we're all one like if you've ever done mushrooms or acid or dmt or anything like that people always talk about like i literally feel like we are fucking one yeah right so that's the only time you can speak of that experience of everybody being one versus the people who are logically thinking we're all one no you're still in your head if you're thinking that way you're not experiencing it so when it comes down to it the reason it's hard for people to communicate it is because if you haven't experienced what you're speaking of yet Mm -hmm. then it's out of your reality and it's such a significant thing that you can't speak about it unless you've experienced it yeah so when he was talking about it i was like man (laughs) you're kind of projecting what you think it is but you haven't been there yet it's good that you're it's good that you're on that journey bro don't get me wrong but you have to have been in it first he's young how old is he he's 19 Oh, my bad, G. <laughs> yeah, he's 19. Oh, he's still, oh, you're still a kid. He's okay. 19. By this, he's probably like 18, 17. So right now? Oh, yeah. at the time? He's well, like, no, he's he, he just turned 20. He just turned okay, 20. Okay, that's good on you then. At least you're starting it. But yeah, yeah so he's yeah. just started, and he's just really passionate. His platform is so huge, he just want to share it. I don't know what the fuck happened. They say he went to L.A. for a while, and he met up with some guru, then they just changed his whole perspective and <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like... But it was cool. Like, you know, it was just, you know, it was positive. We ate, we ate good, we ate healthy. I never smoked before. I don't smoke or drink. And he don't smoke, he don't drink. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, I feel like no matter what how it was, how you perceived it, he was making himself a better person. No, no, no. You're right. At the end of the day, I'm not do- I'm not dogging him for yeah. it. It's just like what you said though, communicating it. Communicating properly. the property. Jim Carrey is a prime example. Jim Carrey, literally the most famous Hollywood star of all time to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Comedian, and the com- everybody knows who the fuck Jim Carrey is. I don't care if you're mm-hmm. in fucking Africa, if you're in Zimbabwe or whatever the fuck. Everybody knows who the fuck Jim Carrey is, right? Yeah. So he went from the biggest thing in the world, and then he used this platform to get people, you know, aware of the government, aware of socialism, aware of what's happening in society. Yeah. But we never looked at you for that, so we weren't ready for that. Yeah, facts. And not only that, but you're not communicating it in a way that people can interpret properly. So yeah. it's better off to not say anything. No, and that's to, facts. I would rather point you at a guy who's who's telling me this shit versus yeah. me telling you what I heard from him. Yeah, facts. There's a guru, right? I have a guru. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, go listen to him. I'm not going to say, hey, come listen to me because I interpreted what he said. Yeah. Now I'm a con artist to some degree. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anyway, man, Um. so that's kind of cool. I didn't know he was 20. So you're, you guys were relatively young Working together, yeah, like you all around the same age. For I was like two years uh, old. Uh, but let's talk about um, Lil Durk. Mm-hmm. Let's get back into Lil Durk real quick, man. I'll talk about your experiences working with Lil Durk. Uh, experience working with Durk mainly through uh, just being out and about and seeing him, then hooping with him, of course. Then he followed me on Instagram, and Violent followed me on Instagram and shit too. So I always get like good notoriety for that as a photographer. Then uh, just being out and about and at festivals and shit and just had a relationship that ain't like that. Well, no, it was good, man. Or or being with Jerry, you know what I mean? And just like just being around him for real. So every time I worked with Dirk, it was it, it was dope. It was amazing for real. Last time I worked with him was in Memphis at a, a video shoot. And he's a great person to work with. Like, no complaints. Um, what, what was the most special time you feel like you've had working with any artist? Do you feel like there was any significant time? Besides NLE, obviously, you guys spent a lot of time, but was there any significant moment working with any artist in particular? Uh, Yeah, I'd probably say either Boosie. i say Boosie <laughs> for sure. What's Boosie like, bro? Because I only see him on social media being hilarious, but I haven't seen him in any like other... 
One, yeah. motherfucker, a great father. Two, that motherfucker is a comedian first. First, right. He's a comedian first, for sure. Boosie is hilarious. Anytime I've been around him, Boosie is fucking hilarious. His son is hilarious. Yeah. For sure. Like, I say, yeah, Boosie. Uh, then I say the, probably the most connected probably was, I say, I don't know. What's up with Bronny James, <laughs> man? Like, you guys are friends or something like that? Because you said, <laughs> what's going yeah, on? I ain't friends with Bronny, man. We went to his uh, party and, um, in LA, and that shit was dope. Was LeBron there? Nah, I wish nah. What's Bronny like, man? Uh, I only met him like fucking twice. He gave me his number and shit. You For know real? I mean? Yeah, but it, it, he voice deep as fuck. <laughs> voice deep as hell. And he just looked like a basketball player. You, Did you know, get what to mean? do some photos of him. Yeah, just a few pictures of him at the party and shit like that. But that was it. But uh, he gave me his number, sent me pictures. He said good luck. So that shit was dope as fuck. That's legendary, bro. Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah, man, uh, you, you mentioned a name that I keep fucking forgetting to bring up because I'm so um, interested in hearing about it. God damn it, man. Damn, I fucking forgot. What Detroit artists have you worked with? Uh, 42 Doug. Mm -hmm. Damn! I know. <laughs> I don't know why. I 42 knew it. Doug and. Uh, what, do think what do you think your, uh, your demographic is from? What, do you think is, what city do you think is really fucking with you that's promoted your platform as big as it's gotten so far? Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta, LA, and um, Miami. You had to work with Cash Doll once. Nah. No, yeah. her team hit me up one time. I was in LA to do a shoot, yeah. but uh, it, it never fell through. But not nah, that's, that's one thing I hate. It's like people in, in Detroit, like the big foot artists, are, like Chris Thompson or uh, Shot by Mirror, or like Thompson, yeah. people that shoot like Babyface Ray and, and Payroll and shit like that. I'm actually jealous. Word. Hell yeah. And I'm, I I admire them because that's that's who I personally listen to the most. That's who I look up to. No matter who the fuck Polo or Chop or anybody is, like I grew up listening to Doughboy Cash. I grew up listening to Vezo in a payroll Cash Kid. Those are those who pictures mean to me me it's, the most. It's interesting because um, there's two sides of it, right? Like mm -hmm. I feel like they're still upcoming. Like they, they they're big, like smooth. Everybody's big. Everybody's big in Detroit, mm -hmm. right? But once you talk about Anneli Choppers and Polo G's and stuff like that. Do you agree that it's a different stature to some degree? Like, there's a different level of, they're at a different scale, kind of, because they're, you know, they have a bigger fan base and whatnot? Or do you not see it like that? For me, personally, not really. You don't think there's a difference between, like, NLA Chopper versus, like, um, like a payroll Giovanni over here or something like that? Um, It's just the people that know them. You know what I mean? Probably the amount of people that see your pictures probably more NLE. Uh, The demographic probably, you know, way bigger outside of the country and shit, too. Demographic, yeah, but personally, no payroll. That was probably the most one of the great experiences I had mm. was working on homeboy, uh, a good fella tree, mm. and he had a pay, he had a feature of payroll, and I got to take pictures and video of payroll. That shit fucking dope. Yeah, that that meant more to me more than polo. Well, my whole point of bringing it up is because I feel like there's less money involved depending on the level that you're working in. So do you feel that way? Like working with the Detroit artists, more likely you're going to be working for credit versus. When you're working with Chopper, you're most no, likely getting no, paid. No, no, no. Any artist, majority of time is credit. It's, it's not until you start filling out those W-9s with labels and ah. budgets. Okay, talk about that. You know what I mean? So, like, one thing I have to learn, um, labels pay. It's, it's some artists that will look out for you, too. You know what I mean? But a lot of artists, I know the money they show they got, they're not going to pay the videographers and photographers that, you know, out of pocket sometimes. You know what I mean? So sometimes you got to finesse your way through. You feel me? So the most money I made is from... A, uh, different major labels I have to send invoices to. You know what I mean? So you're going to start making money when you start having to send in invoices. You know what I mean? Rather than just under the table type shit. You know what I mean? It can be good sometimes, 
but the, the, I, the difference I say probably more organized with uh with uh you know the higher stature labels and shit and everything. But Detroit niggas just got as much money as regular rappers, so they be willing to pay too. Shit, you know okay. what I mean? All right, I was just wondering. I'm not. I haven't worked with any caliber of that, so I don't know exactly how that worked. Mm. Um, yeah, man, the positions you put yourself in, obviously through hard work, talent, and showing up and and changing it, but obviously the social ability too and whatnot. Um, what's been the most fun moment, bro? The most fun moment, uh, probably being with, uh, with being able to come back home and kicking it with them for sure. Facts. Shout everybody out real quick. Yeah. My homeboy, uh, James, AKA Kevin, my homeboy, Tay, Sam, Reek, Juan, you know what I mean? Flex and be able to come back and, and share experiences with them. Like being on the road is fun, but at the end of the day, I'm always by myself sometimes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like unless I'm like with Jerry, like friendship wise, but a lot of shit is business. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, I'll say to, honestly, coming back home and ha- eat, able to eat coney and shit like that. Cause <laughs> when you gone for a long time and everything, like it's cool, but like LA really don't got that good food. You know what I mean? Damn. Like shit closed early. So I love coming back to the city. So that's probably the most fun I have is when I come back to Detroit. Yeah, you can order a Coney Dog at 2 in the morning out here. You feel me? I don't can't do that nowhere else, my baby. <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this has been an awesome talk, man. I really appreciate you uh, coming here and shedding light on it, especially at such a young age, uh, getting as far as you did in the game and, and mm-hmm. continuing to prosper and everything like that. And uh, Are you reestablishing yourself in Detroit by any chance? Uh, I would like to. Um, mm-hmm. I really, Yeah, I would like to for sure. Um, I'm actually in works. I want to get some of my work in the DIA. So I want to have a... Um, uh, like a, a gallery, a gallery walk for like a weekend of a lot of my work at the DA. So cool. that's my goal. I think one of your friends was talking about he almost died. So are we gonna tap in on that or are we gonna skip that one? Uh, no, no, he almost he almost died. It was when we ate mushrooms, right? <laughs> oh no, not that. No, but no, that's that. But <laughs> in the final, uh, this is my final thoughts. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, first thing first. Uh, shout out to all the support from my family from Detroit. My sister Shani. In elite team, my homeboys and everything, motion family for sure. Um, and in conclusion, if y'all do anything, <laughs> I want y'all to subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at Damn Johnny and everything. But also, I want y'all to subscribe to a YouTube page called Juan Did It. Juan, can you come here real quick? Come through, yeah. Juan. And he got his pain clothing. Pain clothing is my best friend, my brother for sure. Juan Did It. You feel me? Yeah, man. Go ahead. Go ahead real quick. Go ahead and say what you got to say, bro. Hey, man, it's your boy Juan did it, man. Make sure y'all tap into the clothing line, man. Hottest clothing line coming up, man. Streetwear brand, man. You know the deal. All right, man. Listen, uh, is there anything you always want to say before we close out? Uh, this, if you're a photographer in Detroit or just in all, just keep going. You know, keep studying. You know what I mean? I thank y'all for all y'all support and everything. I got a lot of you know, plans and everything. I'm just, just try. Just be try. You know, just try as much as you can. Facts. Never stop trying, man. At yeah. the end of the day, keep putting yourself into positions that uh, offer the most opportunity. And the only way you can do that is by being everywhere at all fucking time. Everywhere. Try to be fucking everywhere, man. Even uh, Akon had a, a stunt double to pretend he was in multiple places at once. So yeah. if you consider it, get yourself a stunt photographer to act like he's you. Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but on a serious note, bro, it was really awesome having you on and just hearing your perspective because I feel like right now is the hardest time for a photographer or a videographer to break into the scene because Fuck the scene yeah. is saturated because Fuck the scene yeah. has an overwhelming amount of aspiring photographers and videographers. Why? Because camera equipment is as cheap as ever. So right now becoming a professional is as accessible as ever. But Literally. how do you stand out, right? First of all, having good vibes, 
being able to network mm -hmm. with people, having a genuine personality and really approaching people by being yourself, like you said earlier. Right. On top of that, building and honing your craft, making sure that you understand the hardware and you build that creative side and you work on your creative side and you get inspired by creativity and that you're also naturally creative to some degree putting yourself out there at the end of the day, knowing the game, being creative with it, taking chances, taking oh, risks, yeah. everything you did. And that's why you're going to uh, be as big as ever. And I'm one of the biggest uh, directors that had come from Detroit, man. So I appreciate, appreciate you for being a part of this. Uh, Hilo Visuals is shooting these productions for us. He's going to be on the upcoming soon, too. So check him out. Sound. We're in Parallel Sound Studio. We're out. Peace.